Thank you, Lisa. And there's a number of things I want to say, but I think most importantly is this is a really short message uh, that I have. <laughs> so you can just take a deep breath and be ready because I'll be talking fast and we'll be covering a lot uh, over here. But your kindness is beyond uh, words. And I, I thank you so much. And uh, this is a wonderful church. You have loved me and Janice and Lauren uh, for these 24 and a half years, and we cannot thank you enough. But we are excited about um, coming to the close of our service, and um, I'm just going to open up God's Word and share something with you. And part of what I'm going to share with you is to help you understand something that I have talked about uh, a little bit in the past. I told you that when I grew up, I went to vacation Bible school, and at vacation Bible school, they would give you a jar, kind of like a mason jar, and they'd put it there on the table, and then they had these lima beans, these big beans, and whenever you would memorize a verse, you got to put a bean in your jar. And so, naturally, the first one they would start out with is John 3, 16. I want everybody to learn that. They said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him would not perish, but out of everlasting life. Boom. Got your, got your bean in there. And then they'd throw some other things at you. I'd go like Isaiah 53, 6. And all we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity. I didn't know what that meant. The iniquities of us all. Oh, that's getting tough. And boom, we got that one in there. Well, so then after a while, they kind of start getting a little tougher. And so I didn't want to sit there and have to do those tough ones. So I did a little research and I joined with others and we found naturally John eleven thirty five. 35. We raised our hands and said, Jesus wept. Boom. <laughs> Add that in there. But what you don't understand is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is a treasure trove of small verses. And so I would come in and I would say, hey, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice evermore. Boom. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Boom. Teacher comes over there and she says, hey, I'm just not really certain I like the spirit on this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, do not quench the spirit. Boom. So, whoa, 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 hold it, hold it. I'm not really sure if the Lord is leading you or not. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, do not despise prophecy. Boom on there. Then she grabs me, she yanks me out, and as she's taking me out of the room, I'm going, 1 Thessalonians 5.25, brothers pray for us. Boom, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wouldn't have been great if I'd done that, but I didn't. I just wanted to let you know. But we did get the beans in the jar, and those verses have stayed with me. And one of the verses that stayed with me for all of my life was Matthew 6.33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God in his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I dropped that bean in the jar, but more importantly, I took that bean and I applied it to my life. And that's really what I want to talk to you about as we get ready to close this service. And really a title is, Are You Anxious? And the reason I ask that question is because that verse of Scripture that's where it's really centered in. It's centered in the Sermon on the Mount, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has been talking about not to be anxious about the things of life. And then he begins to talk about different uh, things that we're worried about. And, and, and he gives all these different illustrations. And so I would ask you this question this morning. In the midst of all of this celebration, are you anxious? Maybe you're anxious about some things that are going on in your life, things that are going in our world. Maybe you're anxious about this transition. 
And so Jesus summarized his views about this in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. So look at this verse. He says, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. Keep that in mind. The Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He says, listen, don't worry about these material things. And in verse 32, he says, now the Gentiles seek after these things. So what he's done is he has taken anxiety and he's taken ambition. And so there are people whose ambition is just to get the material things. And you know what? Our ambitions oftentimes cause anxiety. And so while these Gentiles are seeking after material things, believers should seek after something that is higher, such as spiritual values. And by seeking after these spiritual values, it should reduce the anxiety over the material values. Thus, verse 33. Verse 33. That's the every word. But. He started right out. He says, but. You know what that is? That is a hyper-coordinating conjunction. Now, many of you have sat here for an hour and 12 minutes saying, I am so thrilled to know that. Now, what is a hyper-coordinating conjunction? What it means is, he says, I'm taking it up to another level. It's like a modulation in music. We're going a little bit higher on here. And he says, all these things you worry about, but seek. It's an imperative. And it means you need to keep on seeking. It is not a one-time event. It is a continuous event. And it is an unceasing, continual quest. Make it your life's ambition. This is pretty strong. But seek. It's an unceasing quest. Seek what? First. Now, whenever you think about first, you think about it's a priority. So you need to seek first. Now, you know it's the Bible and Jesus is, going, is talking. It's got to be some spiritual value. But seek first. So let me just kind of step out and ask you this question here. When you think about your mornings, are you quick to TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook and slow to God? Or do you give God the first of your mornings? See, whatever we focus our hearts on first in the morning has a tendency to shape our entire day. And he says, but seek first. And what are you supposed to seek first? He says, the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It is the reign and rule of Christ in your life. And Jesus is saying that the way to avoid this consuming worry, even over the essentials of life, is to pursue the kingdom of God. And by doing this, you replace your pointless worries with something higher. You're giving God first place in your life to guide you, to strengthen you, and to direct you into that fully fulfilling life of purpose. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. God's desire is that the reign of Christ will result in every single department of our lives being freely submitted to Christ. That's what it means. I mean, every part of our life, our home, our marriage, our family, personal morality, professional life, business life, business ethics, my bank balance, my tax returns, my lifestyle, everything. But seek ye first, but seek first the kingdom of God. But then he didn't stop there. And his righteousness. And his righteousness. 
That is a righteousness that comes out of obedience. It is personal righteousness. It is a desire to do what God commands. It is character and conduct that pleases God. It is a zeal for godliness, a passion for obedience. And the result is, the nearer we get to God, the less we worry about the world. Listen, more important than a bean in a jar is a verse that needs to reside in your head and the truth needs to reside in your heart. And when you look at this verse and it says, but seek first the kingdom of God, we can get a um, kind of a, a wrong mindset of thinking that just means checklist. Ten church, read my Bible, said a prayer. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. But then he adds, and his righteousness. And that comes from the heart. And that's a heart of obedience. And when you do that, what happens? End of the verse. And all these things will be added to you. All of these things will be added into you. You know what this implies? It implies that those who seek first the kingdom of God, not only do they get the spiritual blessings, but hey, we got a deal today. We've got one more thing we're going to throw in. And that is the material provisions of need will also be added. All these things will be added. All the spiritual values that you're seeking over here, you get those. Plus, God says, I will provide for your material needs. And at the very next verse, Jesus says, therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. That whole section, he talks about all these things that we worry about, and then he zeroes in, and he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow. Matthew 6, 33. Jesus preached it, and he practiced it. Two things. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, it says that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. It meant that he said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. I'm heading that direction. Luke records in the end of that chapter that as Jesus is traveling, people come up to him and they say, hey, I'm going to follow you. And some of the people he asked, hey, will you come and follow me? And each person that came to him and Jesus laid out the demands, they would say, let me go first and do something else. It was the person that walked up to him and said, I'll follow you. He said, okay, let's go. He said, well, no, 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 let, let me go first and do something else. Let me go first. This is not what 633 says. 633 says, seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness. And as Jesus is teaching, and as these people are saying, I'm not, he says, well, you've got no place with me. And you see, you can come to Jesus and tell him, let me go and do this first until the cows come home. And you will never experience the reign and rule of Christ in your life. And he summarized it in verse 62, Luke 9, 62, and he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, listen, I'm an Auburn graduate, so I know that looking back when you're plowing is not a good thing because you need to do a straight furrow. And in order to do the straight furrow, you got to have your eyes fixed here. You can't be plowing and looking all around like this because all of a sudden your lines are going to be like that. And Jesus says, if anybody puts his hand to the plow and says, man, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to live for you. But if you're always questioning and worrying and looking around over here, he says, you're not fit for the kingdom. Now, you have heard me tell this story many times, but this was a seminal verse in my life. 
This, this verse right here in, could have completely changed the direction of my life. And as you know, as Janice and I, we left the business world, and I traveled uh, going to seminary. Janice stayed in Mobile to sell the house. I go out, and I live with Mike and Kathy Wayman over here, and their three-year-old, <laughs> and the three-year-old. And so uh, I, I, I'm, living, I'm living with them, and, and, and they're wonderful, and man, we love each other, and it's having fun. But school's a little disappointing. Uh, I was missing Janice, and I was just, man, it's just hard, hard leaving her there and what all she's having to go through. I'm about four or five weeks into it, and I think I'm ready to cash in my chips. I'm getting ready to say the business world wasn't such a bad deal. I think that's what I'm going to do. Slipped in at a chapel service, Dr. Robert Naylor, the former president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, preached this passage. I guess I'd never heard this verse or ever thought about this verse. And he read that verse. Anyone who puts his hand to the plow, you know, and he looks back. He said, is not fit for the kingdom of God. It was like the Holy Spirit just hit an arrow into my heart. And right there, I told him, I said, Lord, I do not want to be that guy. I'm going to put my hand in the plow. You've called me. You've opened every door possible. I know this is what I'm supposed to do, and I don't ever want to look back. I called her when I got back that day, and I said, "Hun, we're ready. I said, I just got to have more fired up about this than ever. And then all of a sudden, God began to hit the dominoes. House began to sell. Things began to work on there. You see, what Jesus did when it says, seek first the kingdom of God, he, he preached it. And when he preached it, he lived up to it because when people didn't seek first, he let them know the consequences. But let me tell you the other thing is he really practiced it because it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The night of Jesus' arrest, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to be able to pour his heart out to God. And as he's praying, look what he says in Matthew 26, verse 39. He says, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He says, let this cup pass from you. You know what that cup is? The cup was God's wrath that was getting ready to be poured out on Jesus on the cross. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants the wrath of God poured out on them. But God said, this is why you've come here, is to die and pay for the sins of all mankind. And so Jesus, knowing that his arrest is just a couple hours away, is praying and saying, is there a plan B? But if there's not, I'll do your will. I will do as you will, obedience and righteousness. You see, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And this is exactly what Jesus did. And in his obedience, Jesus, he was arrested, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was crucified on a cross, he was suspended between heaven and earth for six hours, he died, and they took his body down and they placed him in that tomb. And all of that happened because of obedience. But you see, that was only Friday... Exactly right, choir. But Sunday's coming. And oh, what a Sunday that was. That's what we call Easter Sunday. And on that Sunday is when God came down and he took Jesus and he raised him from the dead. And then he pulled the tomb, uh, the empty, and pulled the rock in front of the tomb and opened it up so everybody else could look in and see that Jesus had risen from the dead. 
And then he appeared to over 500 people. And he began to teach and talk to his disciples. And then later, he ascended to heaven. And you see, what he did was he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All these things are going to be added unto you. Because of his obedience, when God raised him from the dead, guess what was added to us? Death has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. Eternal life is being offered. And guess what? There's an invitation for every one of us to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to be born again, to be adopted into his family. All of this took place because Jesus was obedient. And when he was obedient, God honored that. And all these things will be added unto you. That's great news. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So what are we supposed to do with this transition? Jesus says, don't be anxious. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What does this mean for shades? Keep sending transformed people to influence their world for Christ. Keep being people who put their hands to the plow and don't look back. Keep being people who put their yes to God on the table. That's what we need to do. For over 24 years, I have been praying, preaching, and hoping that our church's touch would go beyond our reach. And God gave me such a confirmation last Sunday. And I want to read this to you. There was a couple that came up and met me after the service, uh, Mercy and Donnie Griffiths from Miami, Florida. And they're from one of the church plants that we supported, the Pulse, for a number of years. She told me her story, and I said, you got to type it up for me. And she typed it up. I looked at it and said, this is how I want to close it out. Because um, our goal is to see God use this church to touch people that even go way beyond our reach. Let me read it to you. When Pastor Todd Peterson, who was the pastor of the Pulse Church, one of our church planners, when Pastor Todd Peterson invited my husband and I to attend GIC February 2018, <clears throat> for the very first time, I never in my wildest dreams would have ever imagined how it would change my life dramatically. I was at the top of my career as an educator and soccer coach at an elite preparatory school. I was convinced that I would grow old at that school and eventually retire from there. My career was my idol and my treasure until God revealed himself to me in a personal and powerful way during Global Impact Celebration. It all began when a seed was planted during the pastor's Bible study that you led and you posed the question, what is on the other side of yes? The more stories I heard from other missionaries, the more intriguing the concept of living scent became. The more interactions and conversations I had with other GIC church plants and members of the Shades community, the more I realized that there was more to life than just having a profession. So long story short, when I got back to Miami, back to my prep school, I came to the realization that my career was not God's will for my life. So I resigned May 2018 and went into full-time ministry at the Pulse of Miami Church for the past three years. God has now called my husband and I to help grow a church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. So we are leaving Miami and moving to a strange land. And then she put parentheses, what's on the other side of yes? Part two. 
This calling is so much harder because we have to leave the pulse and our church family that we love so deeply. Please lift us up in prayer as we go into uncharted waters of being sent. It's exciting and scary at the same time. GICs not only injected the mission's DNA into the pulse of Miami Church, but it also fostered deep relationships with members of the Shades community that are now part of our extended church family. What an honor it was to be able to hear you preach your transitions this past Sunday. A divine appointment, no doubt, considering that Donnie and I are about to make the biggest transition of our life. Shades, may we be a people who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And let us boldly take steps to influence this world for Christ. Here's a statement I want you to remember, and that is this. Faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. Amen? Thank you, Shades. I love you.